Welcome to the Tilt and Shift Photography Podcast, where we take motivational stories far beyond inspiration. We actually analyze and learn to apply insights from photographers and creative stories to improve our own businesses. I'm your host, Bobby Barberich, and I'm digging deep with entrepreneurs and industry leaders to mine their stories for the skills to level up where, when, and how we come to the decisions that define our art, our business, and our success. So let's tilt your life's framework and shift your perspective. Welcome to the show. Hi, friend. Welcome to the Tilt and Shift podcast. Thank you for being here. Today's guest came into my life about a year and a bit ago. And since then, my world has quite drastically changed. And how this came about is because at the end of December of 2021, I noticed a feeling in my body of a, a lack of fulfillment. And it kind of surprised me because I had been hitting my financial goals for the last uh, probably five years at that point. I had been wanting to make, hitting six figures was a big deal for me and I had been doing that for a while. And it struck me that was no longer motivating me, that it felt, it didn't feel the way that I had thought it would when I had originally set that goal. And so I started thinking, I might be missing out on something. Like there's some, there's some sort of fundamental thing I'm missing in getting this cool and feeling like meh, like cool, yay, grateful. But also I'm just doing things in the same way. And what I noticed was that I had achieved these goals based on being reactive. I was reacting to what was how it was coming to me. I was shooting a lot of things that I did not enjoy shooting. I was making good money doing it because I didn't really feel like I had much to lose because I wasn't enjoying it. So why don't I charge more for it? I was still getting paid, but I wasn't loving what I was doing. And my whole reason for becoming a photographer was because I loved doing it and I wanted to love the lifestyle that I would have the power to create by being my own creative business person being my own boss. So at the end of 2021, I was like, I've got to do something different. Like I have to, I'm missing something in this world. There is, I felt a need to go towards the things that I had always resisted or judged or thought that they didn't apply to me. In a sense, I would recognize that my mind was kind of closed or it was, I had plateaued in my learning and in how I thought about the world. And so I vowed to get curious about the things that I knew nothing about, and particularly about the things that intimidated me or that I resisted learning more about or or thought I knew about and like didn't think it was for me. So I learned, started learning about mindset. And it's funny because this podcast is, has so much to do with mindset and a year and a half ago, that was not me. I have changed considerably in the, on this journey. And one of the things that really sparked this journey was the, in, the internet, <laughs> the algorithm started telling me about this thing called scarcity mindset. And I was like, hold up. Yes, 
this is me. I am terrified of not having money. I am constantly feeling like it's never enough. I am worried that it's going to be all taken away from me without my control. Um, I was realizing how I felt about money was very negative, and yet I was drawn to make it. So that disconnect bothered me. I started learning about scarcity mindset, and we'll talk more about that in episodes to come. Uh, But when you learn about scarcity mindset, you also start learning about something called abundance. And the algorithm started advertising something to me. And that something was how to build an irresistible brand. And it was being provided by someone named KT Mary. Now there's two things here that really spoke to me because they're two things that I always kind of avoided. One being luxury photography. I had never, ever considered myself anywhere near the realm of luxury photography. And I had never really put much work into my brand. I knew that I had to do something different in my business because I didn't like where it was going. I was doing everything I could and I really felt the need to do something different. And both of these things were very, very different. Finding out what my brand actually was and learning that from someone in the luxury wedding photography field. So I took her three-day course, or was it five days? Regardless, there's a link to it in the show notes. And it was extraordinarily helpful. It helped me absolutely refine the way I looked at my business and myself and my brand. And I was so shifted by it that I signed up for her course, The Abundance Plan. And that, again, was a giant game changer. And it's honestly what got me almost all the way to where I am now. And so... I am delighted, thrilled, ecstatic to share with you our guest today, Katie Mary. Uh, Katie is a renowned photographer, and I'm just going to read you her bio here. From the islands of the Maldives to the Serengeti bush to the rolling hills of the Irish countryside, photographer Katie Mary has traversed the globe shooting exclusive destination weddings and fashion editorials. Katie's signature style blends her background in fine art and her years of experience assisting some of the world's most celebrated fashion photographers. She has been named a top wedding photographer by Harper's Bazaar, Martha Stewart Weddings, The Knot, and a rising star by Photo District News Magazine. Now, along with her husband and business partner, Chad, Katie is sharing her knowledge with photographers looking to refine their businesses and create purpose-filled lives. Hello. That's exactly what I was looking for. A passionate animal lover and conservationist, Katie puts giving back first. She donates a portion of all her sales from her two fine art print shops and her online education sales. When she's not working, she's running, literally. Katie logs at least five miles in every city she visits, and I'm so stoked she's here. Hello, Katie. Hello, hello. How Thank are you? Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Yeah, so fun. Um, I was just, like, I just recorded your introduction. And oh. <laughs> <laughs> just before this. 
And I thought I might share with you a little bit about what, what I said in there. And part of the reason that I've asked you to be here, and it's the reason why I have almost all of my guests, is because they've played some sort of pivotal role in how I function either as a human being or as a human being within my business. Oh, I love that. And, and, and that inspired the, po- the podcast is because I, I, I really feel that if we share our stories of what helped us to level up or to see the world differently or to um, change or improve our lives or someone else's, those moments in our life, I think that they are coachable. I think that they, when we share them and like break them down into kind of granular um, actions, mm-hmm. we can help other people do similar things and apply it to their lives. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, that's how I learned. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And so for for you in my life, a little bit ago, I like about, about a year and a half ago, I recognized that I needed to start looking at the world differently. I needed to mm-hmm. um, go into rooms where I felt uncomfortable or rooms that I thought weren't for me mm-hmm. because for whatever reason, I thought that they weren't for me. Yeah. I had had some sort of dialogue in my brain that that I didn't belong there. Of course. Yes. And then the internet told me about you. <laughs> <laughs> so you're that you're bloody internet, I tell you. What's that? <laughs> that internet, always talking, always talking. A <laughs> little bit of a trickster. Um, and so it started advertising your the ir- irresistible brand workshop to me. Mm-hmm. And that really changed how I looked at what I was doing. Cause previously I was just, I was doing things out of scarcity. I was doing things because I wanted to make six figures and I didn't, I wasn't thinking about why I was doing them. Mm. And so then your brand workshop really helped me to see that I really need to have a brand. Mm. And if I worked on that, maybe I would have more control over what I was doing in my business. And then cool. of course that rolled into the incredible program that is the abundance plan. And here we are. And here (laughs) we are. Yes. Yes. I just wanted to thank you for that, for creating that space that felt open enough for people who don't necessarily, who are looking for something different or for people who are, who are looking for a a way of looking at their work with more intention and more fulfillment and beyond going through the motions, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything I've learned from you is, is really about being intentional. Mm, well, thank you. I, I deeply appreciate and receive that. Um, I think like many, I think we're all kind of going through life doing the best we can and trying to find our way and uh, the things that that are going well or not going well, we're all still kind of like, is that working? Is that coming across how, how I intended it? And so um, I always deeply appreciate to hear that because that is so much of, I think, really what I, I strive or just innately uh, do is is really that deep work of there's got to be more below the surface there's got to be you know yeah and and there's got to be more than just this one marketing strategy surely <laughs> that's not all success is about right you know yeah. uh, and all of that and um so i i really do appreciate exploring kind of that other side of that and and then to me it's also so much more applicable to every facet of your life not just building a photography business yeah yeah absolutely and i think that's probably where the fulfillment comes in right Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. we recognize where else it plays in our lives, mm-hmm. do you, do you want to share how you got 
to this frame of mind or or there are other perspective shifts that that you want to talk about yeah so i mean obviously i think you know uh, a million moments that all you know we talk a lot about inside the program about like one percent you know if we can do one percent a week like you said if you can have a shift um in your mind even one percent that's a lot for an adult with a you know formed prefrontal cortex you know like <laughs> this is you know I know a lot of us are like, we're just, we're going for the quantum leap and I'm all for quantum leaps and I've, I've experienced them myself, but I think most of my journey has been remarkably slow and, you know, largely if someone were to film, you know, with a video camera the whole time, you're like, you know, when does, when do the events start happening? <laughs> you know, <laughs> where's the action? <laughs> um, and so so, you know, there certainly are little moments that we can carve out. And I think we're going to talk about some of those today. But um, at least, you know, the first chunk of it was was kind of a slow go. Some of the the quick things were, you know, in, in high school, I was one of the lucky few to have a photography school or a class rather with a dark room and a photography teacher. And I was I took, you know, I took auto shop. I took photography. I took everything. So I was just definitely. I took weightlifting, you know, just which I ended up getting a C in because I couldn't keep upping the amount that I, I like tapped out at a, you know, yeah. And so then your grade is based on you have to keep like they want you all to be like bodybuilders, which doesn't work out when you're like a 95 pound, you know, mm -hmm. 15 year old. Mm -hmm. um, but needless to say, I had a great photography uh, a teacher who took me under her wing to compete in a vocational industrial clubs of America, which. At the time, I hope they're still around because we need more vocational people. Mm -hmm. um, and I got a scholarship to photography school and um, to several photography schools. But that kind of decided it then, well, huh, okay, guess we're going down this path. And mm -hmm. um, it ended up being really great and a real intensive program and very, very diverse in terms of processing your own film and, you know, learning all the tricks of the trade. That was just when like Photoshop was just starting. So, you know, we're barely on computer scanning things and stuff like that. And then began working for fashion photographers straight out of that program. And, and that was really like, okay, great. Now I'm going to learn from fashion photographers and be a photo assistant and work sets and, and all of that. And so just really jumped straight into freelance life, which um, really suited me well in terms of, I grew up a military brat hopping around quite a bit and I'd had a lot of jobs to date, so I really had a strong work ethic already, but really had no problem kind of knocking on doors and on studio doors and saying, hey, you know, I want to be on your photo assistant list. And I know I'm a girl. I can still carry stuff, you know, all of that. And um, good thing you had that weightlifting class. I know. I, I tell you what, <laughs> like it paid off. <laughs> well, little did they know, I spent the last six years working as a wrangler on a cattle ranch, and the first task of every day was swinging hundred pound saddles on about 40 horses back. So I was, yeah. I was ready. They just you know, <laughs> they were judging the book by the cover, if you will. <laughs> I love proving them wrong. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's actually, you know, been a, you've got to look for your motivators where you can. And, um, that's always been one of my core motivators. I would never be the one to say, I can't, uh, I can't carry that or, you know, the day's getting too long or I can't be there that early. I was always like, yep, I'll be there. Um, and so I think, you know, you've got to use everything roadblock weakness, obstacle or otherwise as, as fuel for your, where you want to go. Yeah, I totally agree. And seeing obstacles as opportunities rather mm -hmm. 
blocks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not getting too upset that, you know, the world is slightly unfair, um, I think is important. And I think not that I don't want a fair world like everybody else, but I also think, you know, you can't get too hung up on it. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you started into fashion photography, were you into it before? Like, had you been ex- like, was that something that was previously interesting to you or was this something that you were just going into because that's where the path was leading? Yeah. You know, in photography school, I definitely was like, I've got, I still have most of my tear sheets of like, you know, going through magazines and pulling tear sheets and, and all of that. So it wasn't, and it's still true to this day. It's, I am never the one that's like, oh, you know, that's Gucci or that's, you know, Carolina Herrera. Like I, I know enough now to be dangerous, you know, just because (laughs) I've got to be like, yeah, no, I, I think like these brands are, these designers are amazing. But that was never my thing. You know, I've never, uh, you know, owned a Chanel bag, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I am very drawn to beauty and aesthetic and design. And so that part is what has always intrigued me is the visuals aspect of it. And there are some things, you know, you don't have to tell me how much it costs. I know that it's well done well-crafted mm-hmm. a work of art. And that is, you know, what I have always spotted and kind of sought out. And so that part of it really intrigued me of, of kind of how you create beauty, how people come together and, you know, turn some little studio in New York that, you know, on the backside of it is full of catering and makeup and, you know, clipboards. And then on the other side, out comes these amazing photographs that, are super inspiring. So that part of it is really like kind of the making of is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And did you, do you recall a, a point in your life where it was like, um, like where that suddenly made sense that why you were drawn to that, the making you know, of? Well, the other side of it at the time, no. Um, at the time it was really, you know, my, if I had had a fairy godmother who said, what would you really like to do right now? And you out of uh, photo school. And it was a gap year, you know, to me, I've heard of these things and like, yeah, just backpack around and travel for like a year and go do cool stuff. Like, duh, like who doesn't want to do that? I would still like a gap year. (laughs) Me too. I'm, I'm asking (laughs) for one this Christmas. Um, (laughs) and, and so while I didn't have a gap year, I did kind of go off to Spain for a little bit and just go like, I think I'm just going to like study Spanish for a minute. I did work for some photographers while I was there, but really just to explore more and just kind of figure it out like you know 19 year olds do mm-hmm. and um and so in doing that when i started working for fashion photographers and once again i worked really hard and was professional so mm-hmm. any marketplace i think that stands out and so i started getting a lot of repeat photographers asking me to go here and go there and all of a sudden i was kind of you know i wasn't getting my full blown gap year I was getting to go places and, um, you know, eat nice food and, and meet interesting people. So that was the core motivator to start was really just, I was very aware that I had a lot of the world yet to see, and I wanted to get there and was happy to do that, you know, on the back of a photo shoot. So your photography kind of became the vehicle mm-hmm. of these Absolutely. greater things that you yes. were looking for. And it still is, um, 15 years later, it still is. And, and I always, um, the other, you know, in addition to the gap year would have loved to, you know, go to 
like Columbia or Harvard or something and just sit in those rooms and hear what people are conversing about and and the wisdom being kind of dispensed. And um, that really became this last 15 years of traveling the world, understanding different cultures, being invited into the center of families on some of their most intimate and meaningful days. You get a real good education on people, how the world works, the differences in cultures, family dynamics, both good and bad. Um, mm-hmm. I think I really have, I've been in like a master's program of just learning in that sense that, oh, I didn't know families could like actually want to hang out together like 20 times a year and take the vaca- yeah. Like, I, you know, I wasn't aware that th- these existed out in the world. And so even just some of those things of showing just how, how other people's experiences of what life like is, is here on this planet has been really interesting. So it was a different type of education. And, um, I think that was, what was interesting is I always had certain desires and the universe would always provide them in some way. It just usually looked drastically different than I had uh, imagined it to be, or had seen other people maybe go get an education. Mine was a, a different road, but very, very, uh, intense depth, um, very full of a lot of learnings. So always very grateful for that. So you, you said something interesting. You, you said you, you knew what you wanted, but the universe wasn't necessarily giving it to you the way you thought you should get it. Mm-hmm. So what did, what did that, cause for some people that could mean that they want the wrong thing. Right. Or they're not, um, they're not on the right path. So how, what was it about that, that said to you that that your desires were being fulfilled. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is I think, you know, it's those little learnings along the way that you go, huh, isn't, you know, not many people get invited, say, you know, to the backside of this venue because mm-hmm. we're doing our say scouting tour or something. And we're in there with the staff learning kind of all the ins and outs of a property, even like those things you go like, most people, even if they're like the real VIP customers that are paying the most, you know, they're still relegated to like, you know, where all the other guests are and here we are in like the trenches. And and I think, you know, there's definitely been a lot of little moments like that where you go like, oh, I, I actually like this side of it even better. Um, and I think that that's one thing that's been interesting to learn is, is I think also being part of the crew, if you will, or being part mm-hmm. of versus kind of being a guest. Um, and I've realized I, I like being part of the crew, you know, the back of house, if you will, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, that's where all the, in my mind, that's like where, you know, they're truth talking about whatever's happening out there and they're, you know, really, uh, know the ins and outs of everything. And you just get a whole different perspective. And there's a certain level of camaraderie that, you know, kind of happens when everyone's like, yeah, we're all here working together. And so that part of it always, um, has been like an unexpected surprise there's been little moments along the way where I've definitely realized that of like, yeah, this is like an education. It's not quite like probably like Harvard is, but it's, it's definitely, I'm, I've been here learning, studying without even necessarily realizing it. Yeah. And there's, there's two things I want to comment on there. One, you wouldn't necessarily know that from your work, the, 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 your interest and your edgy, like your seeking of the education in behind the photo Mm -hmm. in comparison to what we might think when we see one of your images, right? So yeah. that that contrast within you is pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah. That you you produce these images, and yet what you're 
what drew drew you in there and what you find fulfilling is the back of house what's happening totally and even sometimes i'm still like isn't that interesting because once again I am not a stereotypical designer, girly girl, if you will. Obviously, you know, I love all that. Like you look at my work and it's like bigger gown and bigger gown and bigger <laughs> gown. And I'm like, More bring flowers. it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm so for that. And and really the kind of that like divine feminine in a way of really bringing that. I bring even to when I'm photographing, say, um, wildlife or something like that. I'm really bringing a feminine aspect to it. And yet in my demeanor or character, you know, people probably would not describe me as the most feminine person. I've got my own masculine side of energy. And when you're talking about it's, it's not less, it's not really, uh, you know, about gender things. It's really about like energy and and feminine has its own characteristics as well as masculine. Mm -hmm. And so I think what's interesting is I think the idea that our work doesn't also have to be us. And I think that at least for a lot of artists, you know, a work is expression of, 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 you know, maybe something that's not even necessarily what you, and so that part of it has always been really fun to recognize and, and kind of go, eh, isn't that interesting? <laughs> is that, is that how you reflect on things? Like just kind of regarding their, their interest, like their. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very curious. Um, very, very curious. Like uh, we, for example, we were just in London this last weekend during the coronation and yeah. I would consider myself, um, you know, familiar with the Royals as as much as most uh, between a, enough TV shows and documentary that and, you know, uh, have certain opinions about the things. But um, but really then being kind of in that vicinity during that time and kind of the buzz about it and everything, I was I was kind of like, once again, just super curious and drawn into just all of the things. And, and then you kind of get find other aspects of it. Like, you know, I didn't really know this, but the now King um, is really into the environment and biodiversity, something I'm deeply passionate about and has actually written a book about it and, and all stuff. And um, all of these things that maybe, you know, you don't necessarily see the mm -hmm. first time you turn over a rock, you know, sometimes yeah. you've got to like turn it over and turn it over again and, you know, walk past it the fifth time. And then you're like, Oh, yeah. isn't that interesting? And so yeah. Um, I think that that aspect of it, I think I, I'm always trying to be curious and see where you can learn new things and how, once again, like a topic like biodiversity can, uh, you know, maybe doing research on that can somehow be applicable within your business and as an entrepreneur and things like that. And I find the connections everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's a, a really important trait for photographers to have mm -hmm. is to find interest in what your subjects find interesting being yes. curious about that curiosity or being curious about about what someone how how people present themselves um it's really it's challenging not to bring our own biases to things yeah and those biases can really close us down from from being able to see yes what's going on right yeah, and I think it can be really nuanced because, as you know, from uh, all that I teach as well, we talk a lot about alignment within your business and how you align with the right clients and really understanding who's right for you. And there's even instances where there's times where a job on paper has come across the line and I've been like, okay, well, you know, sure, that sounds good. I'm, you know, not necessarily one of the highlights of what I'm looking forward to the year, but okay, great. And then, you know, we'll get done with the job. And afterwards I'm like, oh my gosh, they were one of our top 
10 clients, you know, of the past two years. So it is just that constant reminder that we try to become better at once again, filtering as business owners, but we also still have a, a amount of openness in all that we do just as humans and in life experience, because you, you have to let certain things come in that you're not quite sure where that's going to land on the scale. And sometimes it really will surprise you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you said, oftentimes they're the most kind of gratifying relationships yes. that we end up having, right? Probably well, and because... I think then too, because your expectations are also different. And so then you're like, wow, no. And so that's part of it too. It, um, not just kind of being that, you know, high hitting dopamine seeker, but also being open to the things that maybe go like, okay, like, yeah, sure. That one, it sounds okay. You know, and, and it is that, that balance of, does it fit within the boxes of where your business is going? Okay, great. And then does it, do they all have to be, you know, thrill seeking the most inspiring things ever? Not necessarily. And sometimes they will end up being it, even if you just don't know it on the front end. Mm -hmm. Have you honed any skills around that? Have you found the formula to understand? Well, I think, you know, a lot of it is process. And, and we talk about this a lot with proposals of just having certain criteria and attuning your listening to really hear what they are saying. A lot of the times clients are telling you exactly what they are, what they are. And we're, we're already filtering. You read an email and then you're in your mind, you're like, oh yeah, they said they can do it on Saturday. And then you, something happens and you go back and you read and it's like, that's not at all what the email said. Like my yeah. mind had already like totally <laughs> conjured it in my favor, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, we do the same thing all the time where, you know, they're talking or someone's talking to us and out of their mouth is coming of like, oh yeah, they're saying exactly what I want to hear. And you're like, no, they're not. They're actually said something totally different. Yeah. So I think trying to be a better listener is number one. Um, and really understand and ask the right questions. A lot of the times, if we simply had asked, mm -hmm. well, you know, are you, since you're getting married at sunset and are you open to doing a first look? So all your portraits aren't in the dark, you know, if we don't ask that question, then we can't really be upset when we get to the wedding and we're like, why am I shooting all in the dark? This, this mm -hmm. isn't working for me. Um, yeah. So definitely gotten better at that and developing more pro around that, but then also just really listening to that intuition and then also trusting the process. I think the old me, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have my anxieties just like everybody else, but the old me certainly made it way worse um, in kind of staying calm with the process or the flows of the seasons. I think it took me about 15 years to realize like every season has been different. Every year has been different. Mm -hmm. And so it's all kind of want to go like, okay, I'm going to, you know, do just like this. And then I'm going to do this. But one year it's like, we're 12 times in Napa. Then one year we're five times in Italy. And then one year we're, you know, never leave the U S or whatever it may be. It's all going to kind of ebb and flow and, and kind of trusting that that's all part of the, the plan too. As long as you're continuing to show up and do your best and do the things, then you need to, if you know that you're doing a good job in that area, then you need to also be okay with just kind of releasing a little bit of that, you know, sense of control. Yes. Cause essentially we have no control. Yeah. You know, go figure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think we really get wrapped up in that in terms of we're in control of our businesses. We're making all of these decisions. We're wearing lots of 
especially beginning photographers, you're learning how to build websites and you're learning how to market and you're like, you're wearing a trillion different hats. All of that feels like you have some modicum of control, right? Because you're making the decisions. But I think we often get a little bit mixed up, like making decisions doesn't necessarily mean you're in control. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And even deciding things, like you said, like setting goals and I'm all, you know, I'm all for all that a thousand percent. So I think this is the thing is sometimes people go to such extremes that like, okay, well, great. If I have no control, well, then I'm just not going to try for anything. And I'm never going to decide anything because, well, I don't have control or I'm going to be the opposite and, you know, be white knuckling my goals, you know, just no matter what and forcing them through and, um, you know, this all or nothing mentality. And I find a lot of times, even with like sustainability or environmental things that I'm really passionate about, people are that too. Like, well, if you can't, you know, live in the tree in a hammock and wear only hemp clothing, then like, why even bother? And, you know, it's the same in our business. So polarizing. Yeah. You know, the middle ground is really, it's, it's quite a good place to be, to be there. And we see this in the world too, that it is such polarity right now. And we're going like, well, you know, does it need to be that way? Or could we go like, what, what would kind of make sense um, in the middle? What sounds fair and equitable? Like what is also serving us in our business right now and kind of having some flow while still aspiring and having some discipline while like having some ease, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Was that a shift for you when you recognize that? Or what is, do you want to share some of the, because these are very like, you're sharing advanced thought about business, right? <laughs> so the question is, how did, how did you come up with, how did you come up with this, KG? <laughs> um, well, I, I mean, obviously, like we said, that 1% over little, little thing showing, showing their way. But I think part of it was um, really kind of doing all these things of doing it all right, quote unquote, um, and really focusing on. So for example, one time was when we, I really kind of realized that I needed to actually care about business as much as I care about art, which mm-hmm. was like kind of a, you know, rebirth in that area. Um, that, you know, that belief of just like, if you just put your head down and work on your art and just become ruthless at creating and solely focus on that and anything else is somehow impure to your art or a distraction to it or, um, or a sellout to it, you know, all of that, um, which obviously that is like a pervasive, uh, belief within our communities Mm -hmm. that we, if we all of a sudden start to focus on creating new or looking at products or charging more, or just being more business orientated that then all of a sudden we have, we've lost our way as artists, you know, we're now just corporate machines churning it along. Um, and so that realization for me was a big one. And so then when I started to get really super curious and that was really from the point of just kind of hitting, I I forget which year it was exactly, but I've been, you know, a good seven plus years in the business, just the art thing. And then, you know, kind of feels like I might be plateauing. And I think that's a scary place to be in business, you know, when you're kind of like, I don't, you know, this wasn't like a short-term thing that then I'm going to like go start my next career yet. Like Mm -hmm. I'm still have a a lot of space that I want to, to, uh, you know, continue to climb in here. So Mm -hmm. when you start to feel like 
it's kind of plateauing out. I think a lot of people, that's when anxiety usually goes through the roof. Um, and I really just channeled into learning again and getting super curious again. And so yeah. then just being exposed to other ideas and people and things that aren't in the artist world and, and realizing like, oh, there are some people that view this business building stuff just as creatively as we view our art. And that then all of a sudden was like really exciting and new. Yeah. I think that that's a, a nice way to frame this is looking at curiosity as a skill. Mm. You know, something that we can develop because curiosity mm -hmm. is what will get us between from, from point A to point B and beyond, mm. right? Totally. Um, yeah. I really love this idea. Do you, were you always like, is, is that an inborn trait or is curiosity something that you found starting to work for you? And so you built it. Yeah. I mean, I think I've always been highly curious and it was really applied to things that I was most interested in when mm -hmm. I was younger, which were def was definitely like the natural world, animals, um, new skills though, even that's like where I was super, I started riding like at a, a stable in Japan when I was like nine and learning how to show jump and things and was like, I'll just, my parents would drop me off in the morning and pick me up at night. And I was like nine or 10. And I was like, how did you guys, how did the nine-year-old convince you guys that was a good idea? They're like, I don't know. You just said you wanted to be there and like learn how to feed the horses and whatever. Okay. I've always been persuasive apparently. And, uh, and curious too. <laughs> There, so there's this trope of the starving artist, right? And this is something yeah. that we sort of, um, and that if we get paid for our art, then we are selling out, mm -hmm. um, essentially. And there is, um, so you spoke earlier of the middle ground. So what is the middle ground between this perception of selling out and this perception of being a pure artist? Mm. Well, I think if you're usually if you're in the pure artist mindset, at least, at least for me, you're operating with a certain amount of blinders on and really like stubborn belief and mm -hmm. of I will stand my ground. And I think what happens and where the middle ground comes in is, is starting to like remove those blinders and start to be more open and start to also recognize that it doesn't, it's once again, it's never black or white. It's never, you can be a great artist or you can, you know, be, be rich and suck at art, um, you know, like, yeah. and, and that's only once again, because we see so many people out there proving that that is not, that's not true, that there are people there that are wildly talented and also being wildly compensated for it. And mm -hmm. um, that you can have aspirational goals of, maybe have financial goals and have artistic goals and they can work in harmony with one another. And so I think slowly letting some of those extremist mindset ideas or beliefs kind of letting them soften. And that's where we like integration of ideas of like those two opposites that you once thought were at war with one another. Well, actually like they can live harmoniously and actually help one another. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, all that we've seen and kind of how, how our education came about, because I know for me, when my contracts are in order, when I feel like my clients are being taken care of, when my emails are answered, when my books are clean, mm -hmm. all of that, I can now 
think about just art. I can focus and become a better artist instead of, you know, being wildly anxious because I go like, I haven't answered, you know, any of the hundred emails and people are yelling at me because I haven't delivered their images or whatever it is, you know, and that's another extreme example. But I think it's to prove the point that it, it, uh, structure does help us thrive as creatives. It does. Yes. (laughs) Let's say that again. Yeah. Put it on a t-shirt and sell it with this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it makes perfect sense when we say it out loud, right? If we have our house in order, then we have freedom of thought and like freedom of fear and anxiety and worry about these things that really do dictate our comfort and our stability and our safety in the world, like our bills and groceries and all of that stuff. And also recognize the next level of that is recognizing that if we soften a bit and are willing to look at ourselves as a business, we're providing a service and experience for people, then we can make money at it. Yes. And, and I mean, I think anyone who has a partner or a spouse can know how much a dirty toilet can come between a Mm. marriage. (laughs) Tell me about it. You know, so literally talking about a clean house and like, who's going to clean it on this? And you know, these types of things could go like, okay, or we could just have someone clean the house every other week. And now we're not fighting about that ever. And we all feel better. Like, you know, it's it's the same (laughs) types of ideas. Um, I'm going to make a note for myself to book my house cleaner right now. (laughs) Yeah. and, And I think that these are all, you know, once again, we have to earn the right to be able to have these privileges in our lives and business. But I do think then that's also part of the motivation is like looking down the road and going like, okay, right now I'm, you know, I'm a up, if you will, I'm year one of my business, but I know, you know, by year three, I don't want to be doing my QuickBooks anymore. Or, you know, I know eventually I want to outsource my housekeeping and and things like that. So that's part of your plan for growth too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And another, another thing that sometimes artists, if we, if we're in that like strict artist mindset is we don't really think of, we don't really think of, of the growth that right. we're looking for, right? We're just, we're focused solely on our art and not considering that we are going to evolve and grow as artists if we're, if we're conscious about it and if we're being curious and if we're yeah. being interested in other things um, and opening up those other doors that a, a purist mindset keeps closed. And I think a big side effect and something that I'm really passionate to kind of attack head on is the short-sightedness that that breeds within our community and industry. I know nobody was asking me when I got started in this profession about, well, are you putting aside for retirement? Do you have a long-term plan? And, you know, and, and I say all that because then sometimes it, it sounds like then we're stepping on the side of like, of the starving artist side where we're saying, well, do you have a backup plan? That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying be all in on being an artist, but also recognize that someday, you know, you're going to be an artist with more gray hair. And what is that artist? What are they going to need in terms of support? And you might not at all now, but I can assume that some type of, you know, investment account or savings or emergency fund or, you know, a house that maybe you own a portion of and all of that is probably going to help that artist more in the future. And so mm-hmm. I think just starting to think about these things and we're all different creatures and have different senses of what, what makes us feel comfortable and fulfilled in this time here on this planet. But I think thinking about those things and at least working towards them is an important thing and being aware of them, giving them thought space. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I hope people are listening to, if they listen to anything, they've listened to the last five minutes of this and pay your taxes. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I have yeah. so many, so many photographer friends who are in arrears and they haven't paid. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like you, you're creating this anxiety for yourself. And it, and it really can, it's, it's like the, you know, snowball that just gets bigger, um, yeah. that you ignore that. And then you ignore this and you ignore this. And that's where I go, you know, if you need that, that hail Mary of like, you know, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm going to like finally look under the hood and solve this. You know, there's no better day to do it than today. Yeah. And, and then start, you know, baby steps. Like I, you know, I still, I've luckily been able to own a place that I lived in from a, a young part of my career, but even still, even just, if you can set up like that auto pay where you go like, okay, I can do a hundred dollars twice a month. And that's going to go straight to, you know, my Roth IRA, what that little stuff, just knowing that you're doing that. And cause you're going to blink twice and two years are going to pass. And that's going to be have going on in the background and you're not even going to notice it. You know, yeah. it's one less dinner out, um, where you could, you know, eat a healthy box of mac and cheese with some peas and, you know, have your future covered. Uh, <laughs> Did you know that mac and cheese and peas are like one of my favorite meals? Really? Well, I just think eating pasta without peas is a little sacrilegious. So um, that's a whole, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> um, I'm wondering if you want to are there any any other uh, shifts that are coming to mind? And and I love that you're talking about the little steps because I don't I don't think that our lives happen in epiphanies, right? There's there's always little things that are leading towards these like tectonic shifts that, but that that tectonic shift has been building, yeah. And then suddenly we we kind of recognize it. We're like, oh, okay, this has been leading me here, and actually it started. I mean, in hindsight, you can see where your path came from, but. Um, what about for you? Are there any others that? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, another kind of, this one was more of a epiphany uh, moment. Now that we just talked about tiny shifts, we'll go to the other extreme. Mm -hmm. Um, but 2016 and, and I, I think, you know, this story, but we'll, we'll, I'll have you bear mm -hmm. with me, but, um, 2016, I, at this point, am just under 10 years in the photography business. So about 15 years in the industry, but getting photography just 10 and been re working really hard, you know, since I got out of photo school, just like I said, hustling, grinding, doing all the things, working my way. And across the, the front page of the website was a picture of Sudan, which was the last Northern white rhino in the world as well as the armed rangers that were guarding him 24 hours a day to keep him safe because he is the very last male of his species. And I've always, like I said, been deeply passionate about environment, animals, uh, you know, grew up writing stories about the rainforest. And it's always been the idea that quote unquote, someday when I do climb over that hill of success, then that's where, okay, great. I'm going to go save elephants. I'm going to go do all this stuff. And very quickly realized, you know, a lot of time has already gone by this crisis is currently happening as I'm sitting here. And, you know, I don't necessarily feel like I'm, you know, on the precipice of being what I thought was quote unquote successful enough to be able to really truly have impact. And so, um, fast forward, you know, I was like a debate, mental debate in my mind of like a flash second of like, okay, great. You can like quit everything and literally go feed elephants in Africa or, um, but then, you know, how many elephants can one girl feed and, you know, going through all these <laughs> ideas um, and, and there's actually people who 
are experts in that, you know, doing that. And so what, what else could I do that like I'm uniquely suited for? And that's really when this idea of, of one of our businesses, which is called Render Loyalty Now was born. And that was really um, the idea that, you know, what I do have at this point is I know how to take photos. Mm-hmm. Um, I know how to build brands and market a business. And I already have quite a bit of experience of knocking on people's doors and asking for permission to do something with little or no experience and somehow persuading them that this is a good idea. And so that's exactly what I did. I started knocking on the doors of uh, some of the leading conservation groups in Africa that were already doing this very well and saying, hey, can I come photograph the animals that you protect and serve and create fine art photographs and donate back. So once again, providing awareness and what they really need, which is financial support to fuel the boots on the ground that are already doing it well. So that epiphany was more focused on once again, I think it's not just going, I think a lot of the times we're like waiting, we're like waiting for it. I don't know. Yeah it to just the the right job. It'll make sense when it happens. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, and, and sometimes it does happen that way, but I think a lot of the times it's more like this, like we're confronted with a moment that's like, okay, you get to choose whether you're just going to continue to wait or you're going to actually do something about it. And this was one of those, like, okay, I'm actually going to do something about it. And I'm going to put my, you know, uh, put my actions where my heart is. And um, so really the big takeaway was, you know, being the change that you want in the world. I think it's really easy just on our dog walk where mm-hmm. we're picking up some trash on the street that just like, you know, somebody just tossed. And, you know, the old me 10 years ago would have like taken a picture of it and sent it to like our, you know, village community management, of, like tell these people to stop throwing their trash on that, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> like a little old lady. Um, but, you know, instead I still took the picture, but instead <laughs> just pick up the trash, throw it away. Yeah and carry on, you know, and, and I think so, so much of that is like, yeah, sometimes we just need to, if we're complaining, why is everybody so rude? Or why is the world like this? Like, how can we in our own small part do Mm -hmm. our way to be a light against that dark? And so that, um, you know, and once again, it, it can be in the smallest ways, but I think that really adds up as a collective really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, isn't there, there's like a, a psychological, there's a definition of that when when we see someone in trouble or we see something happening and we think everybody else is going to deal with it so we keep mm, walking i forget yes. the term. i will look it up um but it's very real and it's also part of how we are in the situation that we're in yeah right? yeah exactly so so that one um I think just bred more integrity and responsibility and um, also power. You know, I think we all have the power. I think we forget that we have there to actually make a difference in these small things. Like once again, well, I'm no Bill Gates, you know, what am I going to do about it? Well, you know, there are lots of people. And once again, you know, I saw the weekend of Earth Day, you know, a whole bunch of people got together and in Key Biscayne here, all, it was a million degrees, but they're with trash bags and picking up the trash. And, you know, that beach, like was going to look so much better afterwards. And it really, it was a few hours of, you know, somebody and then collective, it cleaned like a whole stretch of sand. And so yeah. I do think that we have more power than we sometimes think. And there can be these little changes that we make, like even one business's decision, like, okay, great. I'm going to you know, volunteer one day a month, or I'm going to add a hundred dollars to each contract that goes to this or Uh, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be, but those, uh, they really do make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And, and they also, 
help align us with our not only clients who are drawn to similar things and they're and thereby we're kind of spreading and sharing these ideas um but it also contributes to how fulfilled we are in in the work that we're doing right so that our job is contributing to this thing that is even closer to our heart than our art is you know yeah and i think there is also kind of another caveat of that that comes to mind and and this might be I think this is a collective experience, but it's also something noticing post COVID and also just at my season of career as well. But I think, you know, there was a time, especially for me in the business world, where it was like, if it's not a task that's working on advancing my business or me as an entrepreneur or me as an artist, then like, I don't really have time for it right now. That mm-hmm. kind of idea, like it's not, if it's not tied to progress and, you know, that's like, if you're, if you're ambitious, I'm talking to you, um, you know, then then like, don't really have time for that. This idea of like slower living or, or these other things, like even picking up trash on the beach, like, ah, I just don't really have time. And, mm-hmm. and the caveat of that, that I've learned, and I think COVID kind of taught us all a little bit of this, that whether it's, you know, tending to your garden or picking up trash um, on a beach or going, you know, for a walk with your dog in the forest or whatever, that there are mm-hmm. all these things that are you know, either people you're going to meet that are just going to surprise, delight you in some way, or you're going to have that epiphany, or just you're going to create white space that finally, you know, things align and make sense. And all of these things that you, yes, you don't know exactly what it's going to do. Just like, you know, if I spend two hours on my social media calendar, I know I can probably make seven posts and that's, you know, a direct result. This is an indirect result, but I think that it's something that's so important. And, and that was kind of going back to the Royals and all my, um, looking through, cause they, you know, we're in the UK. So it was like magazine after magazine of newspaper after newspaper and all the pictures. And, what I noticed a lot was there was a lot of slow living. There were a lot of pictures of them like in their gardens on their horses or, you know, sitting in a beautiful spot, painting watercolors and yeah. you go, well, yeah, they're the Royals. So they have all the time in the world. But I said, you know, there's a lot of people here, here in the U S that are very privileged with time and, and money and otherwise, and maybe aren't, you know, yeah. calling the time in their garden, their sense of worship and, and like that. And I, just this appreciation of slower living and having white space for these things that bring those indirect results. Mm-hmm. I love that. <clears throat> I love that phrase, making white space. Mm-hmm. We often mm-hmm. talk about white space in art and in design and stuff, but we have to do it in our lives. And mm-hmm. we can and we can design our lives intentionally with this. Because when we yeah, when we do that, it gives us the brain power to figure out these things that are deeper and more meaningful and I don't maybe not more meaningful, but add meeting um, mm-hmm. into our lives so that we're not trying to make it all the time. We can get so anxious and so hell bent on things being a certain way, and we have to reach these targets. And if we open up a little bit of creativity and appreciation and sharing and community, then those other things will either come or to give us a, a different perspective on how it is that we're moving through our lives, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, have you ever spent much time with a border collie, like a purebred border collie? I don't have a purebred, but I have, she's partial and okay, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, if you've hung out with a border collie, um, you know yeah. that border collies in general, they're not a big fan of white space. They're <laughs> like, what am I doing? I, I've got to be on a job. I want to be on a now? job right now. How about now? How about now? And so um, we joke all the time, but my husband, 
partner, Chad, had a Border Collie uh, growing up. And when I first met him, they had this Border Collie. And that Border Collie, he, you know, made jobs all the time. And it was mm. sometimes he was just watching that fish tank and making sure that that fish was doing exactly what it's, same thing with the toilet. Is that doing what it's supposed to? Okay. Then that, and yes. you know, giving himself jobs. And so I think, you know, we also want to be mindful that we don't want to inadvertently in our pursuit of growth and be building business, yeah. you know, really become border collies where we're, dare I say, you know, a little too neurotic for a white space. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the quote from the show, Katie Mary. <laughs> don't be a border collie. <laughs> and everyone's like, not me. No, not me. I can't relate to that at all. <laughs> this is this is fun. What breed? <laughs> would you think embodies this, this mindset? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, you guys can all self-diagnose like, for example, <laughs> this a purebred golden retriever, you know, like he can talk to anybody like mm -hmm. meets, greets everybody with a wagging tail, you know, like goes in any room and knows everybody instantly. Um, yeah. you know, and, and when we first started remote work and with him working in the business, you know, the golden retriever in him was like, great. So we take naps for like three hours a day. Right. And I'm like, whoa, 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 buddy. What do you think this is going to be like? Uh, that's not what, that's not how we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was the golden retriever going, yeah, I know how to run a business. I'll, I'll be up in a couple hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I will be refreshed and ready for mm -hmm. a walk. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, pick, pick your breed of choice. Um, mm -hmm as you're, you're thinking about how you operate, <laughs> but maybe not border collie. Yeah. And you know, I had a border collie and lab mix. That's what our mm -hmm. axle was. That's a great combination. The lab brings just enough where there's enough border collie for the intelligence, the drive, the focus. Yeah. So that's the other thing, you know, like sometimes <laughs> you, you mix them up. Yeah. So sometimes you just need to like, go, oh, Hey, I need, I just need a little bit more lab right now. I just need a little bit more chill. So, Ooh. and that's what white space is all about really. Cause you can just go, Hey, guess what? This Saturday we're, we're going to give ourselves some, some white space time. And even if it's, you know, when's the last time you went and walked in a museum and just wandered, you know, mm. and just looked at stuff or, yeah. you know, gardens or anything like that. Um, I think it's, it really is important. It really just brings clarity. And so does, and you're a runner. I'm a runner yes. as well. Um, I see white space also in being physically active. Absolutely. Just leaving, getting out of the office, you're, you're in, in commune with your body. Like you are mm -hmm. fully, you are a fully physical being and it lets your brain just not think about the crap for a little bit, or like think about the worries and the anxieties and the things that are weighing on you. And virtually every time I go out, I come back and I have a solution. Mm. And either yeah. the solution is it doesn't bother me anymore, or I'm, I have come up with a concrete thing or like a way to answer an email that bothered me mm. or, um, oh, okay. Now I have like a marketing idea that I can start working on. Yeah. And isn't that funny? And I mean, that's really where I've talked about this, where I decided to do kind of like a no days off anymore. Um, and, and it, doesn't mean that some days aren't less intense than others. You know, some days it might be a walk instead of a run or a yoga session instead of like a Pilates or weight training class. But, um, and it really is born out of this idea that at least for, at minimum for 30 minutes a day, mm -hmm. just committing to body movement and 
that I think for me, in addition to the benefits for the body, it's really more about the mind than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Did you know that always, or did it come to you? Did you know? Well, you know, I started this darn streak January of 2020 and oh, it's kept been a- it going. Nice work. I know it's been a while. Um, decided to do it for 30 days and then just said, well, why stop now? And then of course it was COVID. So it was really like, well, why now stop? And then I was a year in and now we've just got to keep going apparently. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and I think, you know, what I did realize was the days that you're like, it's not going to happen. Like mm. this is the day that the streak is going to end because, you know, I'm either flying for more than 24 hours. I've had that before. Mm-hmm. And I'm the person in the corner of the airport lounge doing a yoga video on my phone, or I literally, you know, get in after a red eye and I've got to go straight into something else. And those are the days that you actually need it the most. And that yeah. kind of just saying, Hey, I'm, I'm committing to doing this and I'm giving myself that time. That's actually like when you really have to advocate on your body's behalf. Yeah, I totally agree. Those are the most, they have the biggest impact because you are pushed the furthest, you're exhausted or you're, you're overworked or whatever. That is what your body needs at that time. And Mm -hmm. to not, to not do it is, yeah, it's a disservice for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So even if it's just a walk. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, this reminds me of, I'm reading the book, The War of Art. Mm, so good. Yes. And I read it 10 years ago and I'm reading again right now. And this, this conversation also reminds me of the resistance that we have as artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and this resistance, like anytime there is resistance, it's there. It's there for a reason. It's there to tell you something. Of and if we, can, if we can look at that as, as an inv- invitation or an opportunity to find out what that in- resistance is or to do the thing that the resistance is telling you not to, that's yeah. where the, the biggest rewards are. Yeah. So my, one of my mentors, James Wedmore, um, he explains this in the sense of, so for example, even like some of the biggest obstacles or challenges or traumas, even that are showing up in your life, um, can once again, be, be asking you to examine and look at this and, and he explains it or his mentor does as it's the universe or life showing you the areas in which you are still not free, you know, that our objective of being here is to really, at the end of it all, to really just be free, um, free of that resistance, free of, of those things that are holding us back from our potential. And so it really is shining a light on the areas in which we, we still have work to do in those Mm -hmm. areas. And it might just be guiding us in that way, um, to understand or see something differently there. So what are, what are you working on now? I mean, always, always at work. Um, yeah, always at works. A, a lot of great things. Um, obviously, the education bit has been incredible in the sense that, you know, often we we teach what we need to hear the most. Um, and it's mm-hmm. been an invitation for me to dive deeper on some of the things that I'm passionate. But once again, to act, to have a purpose behind yeah. it is is really great. So and and like you said at the beginning of this, to also to step into to rooms, to sit at tables that you maybe probably weren't previously qualified to sit at, um, to, to learn new skills, to push yourself. And so I think I've been obviously in wedding photography for a long time. And luckily the industry continues to evolve and the expectations and weddings continue to morph into bigger and, and better things. So that's always a challenge, but 
I've also wanted to continue to be challenged in new realms. And so that's absolutely where I'm focusing my growth, um, you know, leadership, entrepreneurship, business, um, uh, obviously earth and um, really being an advocate for the natural world and, and animal beings is a huge part of that as well. And so mm-hmm. um, definitely continuing to work on that and and barking on um, a couple of remodeling projects, which there's all sorts of lessons and learnings in these types of things. <laughs> I'll have to have you back on once once yeah. the host is done and then we can talk just about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like a whole nother. Um, yeah. Yeah. I learned, I am often amazed. I've been with my partner for oh, almost 15 years. Wow. And yeah. And it's, I'm always learning stuff about him. Like every mm. new thing that we do, I'm like, Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> and if I look at it with interest rather yeah. than expectation, it's much more, uh, it's a much nicer experience than if it's with what my perception of what should happen. Yes. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, It's a great, it's good to operate from a place of curiosity. And I think also it just makes more life more interesting that way. Um, At the end of the day, if we're so rigid and just hell bent that we're right and you know, the rest of the world is wrong, it's just not going to be as enjoyable of a ride. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have, I have three questions for you. Okay. They're kind of like my hot seat questions. Okay. Um, what is the some of the best advice or perhaps advice that continues to play in your brain that you've ever received? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> Just little quick questions. <laughs> yeah, little quick questions. Um, <laughs> the first thing that came to mind, I can't say on this uh, podcast, but... <laughs> Uh, I had a, a great uncle who we lost recently and he had a lot of funny isms. So his isms always come to mind first. Um, uh-huh. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll stick with his sister, who is my grandmother. And um, she she always said to me that patience is virtue. Uh-huh. And um, I do think that is pretty darn applicable that when in doubt, often patience is one of the things that in addition to our our ability to continue to be resilient and show up and work, um, we have to have this virtue of patience. Mm, I love that. I love that. Thank you for that reminder. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Second one, what is the, uh, what is the worst advice that you ever got or the least? Well, um, yeah. Um, And this, I think it's it's not necessarily advice, but it's this um, notion that I think we see that's pretty prevalent, and so it might be a little controversial. But I've I've written about this before that this idea of like I'm I'm a self-made millionaire or I'm yeah. a self-made blah blah blah, and um, and I think this shows up in the artist world as well that I'm a true original. You know, nothing has ever you know this is all straight divinity and I've received no outside support or inspiration. And I say it kind of like that because I just think it's pretty darn ludicrous to think that walking through this world, unless you really were raised by a pack of wolves, but then the wolves, once again, should be yeah. who you're, I wasn't self-made. They helped make me who I am, yeah. you know, um, yeah. that, that really, it, it really takes a village and even whether it's books or teachers when you're younger or influences of art and inspiration that we are 
a sum of the collective. And yes, we have our own unique talents and um, sources and secret sauce that we bring into the mix. But um, the idea of like going it alone and self-made that somehow that's better than having mentors or getting support or, you know, sharing freely. Um, I, Mm -hmm. I, that's a, I think that's bad advice. And I think that we should all be more generous and open to not only receiving, but giving, um, you know, what we can share as much as possible. Yes, I agree. I agree. The next, the next question is what is some of your, your favorite advice that you, or like something that really speaks to you that you like to share with others Um, other than all of the education that you've created. Or like in a word, if you had like, if you had like one sentence that you could say to somebody like before they walked out the room. Yeah. And I, I do think, um, you know, it, it might simply come back to abundance that when, when we are coming from or living or being or embodying abundance that we, we are going to be more generous. We are going to be more caring We're we are more likely to be the change that we wish to see in the world. And we are going to realize that it's all, we're all interconnected. So, um, I think, you know, when we are in scarcity, when we're in our heels, when we feel we're back in a corner, it's going to bring out the worst and the most fear and the most discomfort. So as much as possible doing what we need to do on ourselves and in our worlds to continue to put ourselves up in that position to come from abundance and to really be generous, to, to be kind and to realize that we're all connected. Because I think also that not only when you realize that you're, you're not alone, you're, you actually aren't, you know, um, anybody that feels that, you know, you, you really aren't that this, this is a collective and there are, your people are out there. Sometimes you just haven't necessarily met them yet. And I think you might find them in unexpected places. So a beautiful sentiment. <laughs> Thanks so much, Katie. I am deeply yeah. appreciative of you being here. Of course. Thank you so much for having <laughs> me. It's a true pleasure. Awesome. Awesome. And that my friends was Katie Mary, educator, environmentalist, just an all around wonderful human. I hope that you are already working on some of the things that she has brought to light. In our next episode, we are going to deep dive into a few of the concepts that she brought up and I'm going to give you some skills, give you a little bit of homework, a little bit of journaling and bring them into your life. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for being here. You've been listening to the Tilt and Shift Photography Podcast. I hope these little exercises have tilted your framework and shifted the lens through which you see your business and even your life. Make sure you check the show notes for any product or service we talked about. And please feel free to send me a message regarding this episode, the coaching, the exercises. I will read every single email that you sent to me. And I encourage you to head over to bobbybeeducation.com. That's B-O-B-B-I-B education.com for even more opportunities to learn and to grow and be supported on your journey. Thank you for leaving a review. Thank you for being here. And thank you for showing up for yourself today. I'm Bobby Barberich, and this is the Tilt and Shift Photography Podcast. Edited by my confidant and comforter, Jay Hanley, with music by audio.
So you spoke earlier of the middle ground, this perception of he's selling out and this he's what, that little stuff. He's um, sources and secret sauce that we bring into the mix. Peas, mm, peas, mm, peas, mm, peas does help us thrive as creatives. It does. Uh, yes. <laughs> Let's say that again. Peas, mm, peas, mm, peas. Yeah. Let's repeat that. Put it on a t-shirt and sell it with this podcast. <laughs> mm, peas, 